Good morning. He is risen. Hey, I caught some of you off guard. So what we kind of traditionally do here is if someone says he is risen, then you respond with he is risen indeed. So now that we're all on the same page, are you ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. <laughs> that is absolutely the truth, and that is why we're here today. That's why we're here every single Sunday is because of this truth, but today is just extra special. And you guys look great, by the way. I love seeing the Easter outfits that people come up with. Some of you, I can tell, you, you grew up doing this every Easter Sunday, getting dressed up and, and probably a brand new clothes you've never worn before in your life and may never wear again, right? And, you, and so I, can, I, I know that some of you are still like, you're 40 and your mom had you at Kohl's yesterday because she's like, it's tomorrow's Easter and you're gonna look nice whether you like it or not. Uh, others of you are just dressed normal. You're just like, hey, it's the weekend and I'm wearing pants, so count yourself lucky. And that's, we're glad you're here too. And so I, I just love seeing how we celebrate Easter. I think, I think this should be the biggest celebration of the year. Uh, for for a, a culture, American culture, that knows how to celebrate things, we should do a better job with Easter. I mean, you know what it's like when you, when you see your team win the championship. Actually, we live in Indiana. You probably don't know what that's like. Uh, we don't get to celebrate that very often, but you've seen other people win the big, you know, the championship, so you know what they do, and, and we celebrate everything. We celebrate things that I'm not sure I understand. Have you seen the gender reveal trend celebrations? Like, you're having a baby, and you don't know if it's a boy or girl, and then you find out, and you want everybody to know, so you, you cut a cake, and it's got a blue center. Or I don't, there's so many ways to do this. The most recent one I saw was this guy who works for Duke University, uh, his wife was having a baby, and he got Zion Williamson, who was a basketball star, in case you don't know, to come in and dunk this paper basketball. And when he dunked it, it showered blue confetti everywhere. And they're like, oh, it's a boy, yay. I don't really get that. Like when, you know, back in the day, gender reveal, we just called it birth. And it was like, oh, okay, so it's, so it's a boy, great, you know. Or it's a girl. It doesn't matter. I still have to take it home and feed it and clean it and teach it to throw a baseball. It doesn't matter. So like... I don't, I don't totally get it, but, but good for you if you do that. I just think Easter should be the biggest celebration on the planet. I think we should have confetti. I wish I had that for you today. I've, you know, I, I want to do a, a bring your own confetti popper day where you build your own. Like, Wouldn't that be fun? Maybe next year. You're, you're with me? Okay, if you guys sign a petition, I think I can push it through, okay? Confetti and balloons, like I think we should just, because this is the, this is the celebration of this moment, this event in history when everything changed forever. There's never been another moment like this. There's never been another moment that deserves this kind of celebration in all of history. And, and we're here to celebrate that today because this is the time when, when something opened up for humanity that had never been there before. When we, we got to see the world in a different way, a way that was not available to us before the resurrection of Jesus. That's a whole new world. You've had moments like that when you, your world kind of opened up. Maybe you traveled abroad and you thought, man, the world's way bigger than I thought it was. When I grew up uh, in some small towns in the south, rural Tennessee and rural Mississippi. And when I was 12, I moved to suburban Atlanta, Georgia. There's no suburban Atlanta, Indiana, so I shouldn't have to qualify, but suburban Atlanta, Georgia. And I went from, for the first 12 years of my life, I had no interaction with people of color. Everybody looked like me and dressed like me. I was pretty vanilla. And I get to suburban Atlanta, and man, it is not like that at all. I mean, we were two white kids shy of being the minority in my middle school. And my world just opened up. I thought, man, the world is so much 
bigger and different than I thought it was. You've had those moments, and that's what the resurrection of Jesus does for us. It opens up the world in a way that we get to see things, we get to experience a reality that we didn't even know existed until we give our lives to Jesus. But I don't know if you, if you really believe that. I don't know if this is a truth that will make sense to you tomorrow morning. I know that many people come to church on Easter, and we, you know, we're like, well, yeah, Easter's great, but when we leave here, there's still going to be poverty in the world. There's still going to be children dying of hunger. There's still going to be people going without basic medical care and education. I, I don't know how Easter changes all that. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we get to celebrate this. I mean, it's really great. We get to sing these songs and, and have this great celebration. But when I go home today, I'm still going home to, to problems. Maybe you're going home to a marriage that you're not sure is going to make it. Maybe you're going home to an addiction that you, you just don't know how to kick. Maybe you're going to a job tomorrow morning that you hate and you're unappreciated and it's terrible. You're like, how does Easter change all of that? I mean, if it's not going to change my circumstances, what, what's the big deal? I believe it can absolutely change all of that. I believe that the world that opens up to us through the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Because when we see the world the way it really is, when we see the way that God moves and interacts in the world all the time and wants to move and interact in our lives, I believe it changes absolutely everything. But don't take my word for it. We're going to hear today from someone who was actually there. As we read in the Gospel of John, John was a, a guy who traveled around with Jesus. He saw and heard the things that Jesus said and did, and he wrote them down, and we have that preserved for us today. John was there on that first resurrection morning, and he's going to tell us about another person who was there as well, and we're going to look at her story, the story of Mary Magdalene. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open to John chapter 20. Uh, there's some in the pews in front of you, or you can follow along on the screen or mobile app or however you do that. But this is what John, the, the guy who followed Jesus around, this is what he wrote about that first Easter Sunday, just, just days after the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, that's John, by the way, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Mary shows up at the tomb that morning to finish the burial preparations that they weren't able to finish on Friday because of the Sabbath was coming. And, and she shows up expecting what all of us would expect, a, a body, a dead body. She's not expecting a resurrection, even though Jesus told his disciples, hey, I'm gonna go to Jerusalem, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die on a cross, and then, and then I'm gonna be raised back to life. Even though he said that, they didn't get it. It just didn't make sense. They, that's not how the world actually works. Dead people stay dead. So she, she wasn't expecting a resurrection. So when she finds the tomb empty, she's just confused and hurt. And maybe she came because she needs some closure, and now there's no opportunity for that because she... She doesn't even know where the body of Jesus is. So she gets the two guys that she knows and trusts, Peter and John, and they come. They run to the tomb, and they, they see that there's no body. Peter walks away with a lot of questions. John, it says he believes, but what exactly did he believe, and what did he do with that? We're not really sure, because they just, they left. They saw the empty tomb, and they, they left. Mary stayed. 
She can't leave. She's, there's some unresolved things going on for her, and she, she stays. We'll pick up again with her story in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Seems obvious, doesn't it? She's at a funeral. And yet, if you could see it from the angel's perspective, it's a question that makes sense, right? Why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she's like, why do people keep asking me that? I'm in a cemetery. It should be obvious. But again, you see it from Jesus' perspective. And the question makes a lot of sense. Whom are you seeking, he says. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. As we try to get to know Mary a little bit better, it's important we understand her background. She was a follower of Jesus for a long time. There, there were, Jesus had hundreds of followers. We think of the 12 disciples, right? He picked these 12 guys and had a special uh, training relationship with them, but he had hundreds of followers, and many of them were women, and we, we hear from Luke. Luke was uh, one of the guys who recorded all this stuff, and he, uh, he writes about Mary Magdalene in, in chapter 8 of his gospel, and he says, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So Luke tells us that, that Mary had this really amazing experience when she met Jesus. She was she, she was under spiritual oppression. She was being attacked spiritually, and, and she was being tortured. Her life was, was terrible. There, there was fear and anxiety and oppression in her life, and she meets Jesus, and he sets her free. Now, what do you think her reaction to that moment is going to be? She just follows him. She says, you're, you, you're the guy who changed my life forever. Wherever you go, I'm going. I'm just going to be right behind you, and, and I'm going to be making sure you have your needs met, and we're going to take care. You know, there was a group of women that made sure Jesus and his disciples had food and a place to sleep, and she was kind of one of that group. And Because she went from torture and oppression to freedom and peace, and whoever does that for you, you should follow them. So that's what she did. She had this moment in her history that we're going to call a but God moment, okay? I know. You, did he just say but? Yes, I did. But I'm saying this is a but God moment. The, the Bible is full of these but God moments. When things are really bad, everything's terrible, and there's hope, there's no hope, and there's, there's, there's no peace, and there's fear, but God moves in and changes everybody's perspective. And there's peace and hope and joy after that. So Mary had this moment in her past. And you think, Mary, if you know what Jesus was capable of, if you understand what God did for you, why, why are you weeping at the tomb? Why aren't, why aren't you full of faith that Jesus is alive? And I think we can relate to Mary in this moment. We all have. 
We all have a but God moment in our past. It happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead. That is in your past. It's in my past. We all have this moment. He did that for you just as much as he did it for Mary and for Peter and John. He did it for you. And I think sometimes we get so removed from that and we think that was a long time ago and I'm not really sure it was about me. And and we get removed and maybe our faith begins to drift and we lose sight of what God can really do. But Paul talks about this. Paul was an apostle who had an incredible but God moment in his past. When he goes from being someone who persecuted the church, he wanted Christianity to go away completely. And then he met Jesus. And after he meets Jesus, he begins to preach that Jesus is the son of God, that he rose from the dead. And so Paul writes in his letters to the churches about the but God moment for all of us. So we're going to read uh, some scripture together. I want you to read out loud the little piece that's going to be underlined or highlighted. can't remember how that works. In, in Acts chapter 13, Paul is preaching this sermon. Uh, here's what he says. Everybody paying attention? You with me? Because you have a part. You understand you have a part. This is you know, some audience participation time. You will be graded. I'm just kidding. Okay. Acts chapter 13, Peter says, and though they found in him, that is Jesus, no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. But God raised him from the dead. We're a little slow. It's okay. The coffee's not kicked in yet. We got, you got another chance. You ready? Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter two. You ready? But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Even when we were dead, but God made us alive. He writes in Romans, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you were at your worst, when you had no hope, when you had this sin problem that maybe you didn't even realize you had, but, but sin is the only obstacle that keeps us from a relationship with God and there's nothing you can do to fix it. Hopeless on your own, but God, but God moves in and he deals with your sin problem so that you can have a relationship with him. That is in your history, in the history of every human on this planet, but we we forget, and I think sometimes we need some reminders that God actually works this way. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine named Josh Burkaw. Josh is a young man. He lives in southern Indiana, and his family was part of my church when I was down there. And uh, Josh is autistic. He was diagnosed when he was two, and he's never spoken in his life. He's completely nonverbal. And like a lot of autistic uh, people, Josh is, has trouble controlling his body, and it does things he doesn't want it to do, and and, and the people around Josh's life, and I know I was part of this, we, you just make assumptions about, about somebody when you meet him like that. And you, I, you know, I guess we just assume that he, he didn't really know much of what was going on and he, he really wasn't able to participate in a lot of things and made those assumptions. But his mom never quit trying to find ways to communicate. Her prayer from the day he was born was always, God, let me know somehow that my son knows you. That's all, always been her prayer. When he is 16, his, his mom and, a, and an educator friend of theirs discovered this program that uses supportive typing to help autistic people communicate. And they brought this program to Josh, and they had no idea if he was going to be able to interact with it and use it. 
And what they discovered when they presented this to Josh is not only can Josh read, but Josh is actually brilliant. He'd been reading for a long time. He's actually got almost a photographic memory. He can look at a page and memorize everything on the page in 10 seconds and move on. And a great deal of Josh's acting out was in frustration over everyone treating him like he was slow and he just wasn't slow. He just was really fast, faster than most of the people around him. And so when he gets this supportive typing program in his hands, he takes to it really quickly. Within the first week, one of the first things he told his mom was, I want to be baptized. And his mom was like, are you sure? Do you know what baptism is? And he's like, of course I do, mom. I've been in church my whole life. I know who Jesus is, and I want to be baptized. And at 16, his mom baptized him into Christ. Josh started a blog because he wanted everyone to know what, what people like him were actually capable of through this supportive typing program. And, and I, I uh, got a copy of his first blog post, and I want to read this to you if I can. It'll be on the screen in case I get uh, something happens. To something in my throat, you know, sometimes will close up. I don't know. I have severe autism and can't talk. I'm 17 years old, and I want people to know I am in here. My life is very different since I started typing. The top issue is belief. I need people to believe in my typing. I am what people see when they see severe autism. The brain is working, but my body betrays me. Being autistic is very challenging. I am a nuisance to many. My body needs a place like Access Academy because they understand what I need for success. I want to be a missionary in Mexico. I would suggest never giving up on your kids. Josh is 22 now, and he maintains this dream of being a missionary. He tells his mom all the time he wants to be a preacher. Over the last few years, Josh's progress has been slowed by uh, horrible seizures. He has grandma seizures almost regularly, and they render him almost completely incapacitated. But he holds on to this dream. He's going to preach someday. I believe it. You believe it? Because Josh has had a but God moment in his life when everything was frustrating and dark and hopeless and God moves in through this software, this technology, and he opens up this whole world. Can you imagine what it was like for his mom? Never having been able to hear her son say or do anything when at 16, he's able to tell her, I love you for the first time. Can you imagine? This is what the resurrection does for you and for me. It brings dead things to life. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Every day he's bringing things in me that are dead back to life. When my faith is dead, when my hope is dead, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. That is already in your past, but we forget and we move on and sometimes we need a but now moment. Yes, I know what God did for me in the past, but it seems so long ago and so far away. What about now? What about now? And so Mary has this moment that happens in her life. And all it takes is one word. Jesus calls her name. And everything changes. Her hopelessness is gone. Her fear, gone. Her despair, gone. Her faith, restored. Because Jesus calls her name. And maybe today, what needs to happen for you is you need to hear Jesus call your name. Maybe there are some dead things in you that need to be brought back to life. 
my hope and my prayer is that you walk out of here today saying the resurrected king is resurrecting me. He's bringing things to life that I thought were dead. Maybe your faith has died. You keep kind of going through the motions. You go to church and maybe you read a little Bible, maybe you pray a little bit, but really your faith has died. You don't really have a relationship with God that makes a difference in who you are every day. Here's what you need to know. The resurrected king can resurrect your dead faith. Maybe your purity has died. You've made some bad decisions, things that you're ashamed of, and you feel like you'll never be worthy of God's love. Jesus can bring new life. He can rid you of shame and guilt and restore you to a place of righteousness. Maybe your joy has died. Or maybe just your feeling. Maybe you just, you just feel numb. You're numb in your marriage. It's just not doing for you what it used to do for you, and, and you're not sure if it's, if it's worth it anymore. Maybe you're numb in your parenting. You're frustrated with your kids. Maybe you're numb in your work. It's just a job, and you go, and you, you just try to get through another day. Can this feeling be reawakened? Absolutely. The resurrected king is resurrecting you. He can bring new life to your marriage, to your work, to your parenting. If peace has died, if purpose has died, the resurrected king is here to resurrect you today. And I believe that you have a but now moment in your future. Just like Mary had. She knew what Jesus had done for her in the past, but she was so distant from it, it didn't seem to matter. And then she had this moment where she hears Jesus call her name and her picture of the future changes 100%. Paul talks about this as well in his letters to the churches again. Uh, again, if you see highlighted word or phrase, uh, say that aloud with me. Ephesians chapter two, he says, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Colossians chapter one, he writes, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet now he has reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast. Colossians 1 again, he says, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. These are all about our but now moment that changes our view of the future, that helps us realize that the way things are is not the way things have to be, that there's more to this world that we, than we can see and taste and touch, that there's a spiritual reality available to every single one of us. And when you give your life to Christ, when, when you let him have control, you can have this but now moment where you're able to say, man, I, I, I was a little lost, I was a little confused, I was a little far away, but now, because of God's great mercy, I experience peace and joy and purpose Again, don't take my word for it. I want to share with you Ian's story. About five weeks ago, I, um, uh, I guess the best way to explain it is I was feeling oppressed. I was having horrible nightmares. Uh, I felt like I was being attacked. 
uh, spiritually. Um, uh, I was so terrified, I didn't want to go to sleep. Uh, I didn't, for three days, I didn't sleep, almost three days. I, I didn't know if I was alive or not. I mean, I, I, if you've never experienced something like that, it's hard to explain the feeling. Um, it's not just an emotion, it's, it's like an oppressive feeling that you can feel outside of your body and inside. Um, it's uncomfortable, it's, it's hopeless. Uh, when I was awake, I felt hopeless, scared. Uh, I was questioning everything. Uh, Nothing seemed real to me. Uh, I started having panic attacks. I didn't realize it was a panic attack because uh, I never had one. Uh, I thought I was having a heart attack. It was so bad that, uh, I mean, uh, even my parents said that you know, my mom didn't recognize me. Uh, she said, you know, she could look, she, my eyes didn't look the same. I didn't look like the same person. And my dad, for whatever reason, decided to drive around Cicero. Um, and I couldn't tell you exactly why, but I decided this, <laughs> I said, pull over to this church. I, I need to talk to someone. I spoke to Pastor Andy um, for three days. And uh, I can't tell you how much it helped. Um, on the third day, uh, he was gracious enough to, enough to baptize me. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. I was in a rough spot, uh, probably the worst I've ever felt in my life. But then, uh, with the help of Pastor Andy, uh, I was able to find God, uh, except Jesus, and uh, it's, it's been about three weeks now, and this is probably the best I've ever felt. Um, you know, I, occasionally, I'll still have a weird dream, but I feel like a better person. I have a better idea of where I want to go in my life. Uh, I feel better about, uh, I think I know myself better now, and I feel I feel hopeful and grateful uh, for everything Pastor Andy did and for uh, being accepted into the Cicero Christian Church. It was, it was, it was dark, uh, but now, um, uh, since I've, I've found God and accepted Jesus into my heart, I, I don't even know how to explain how good I feel. Um, it's, I wake up every day with a smile on my face. I sleep better, uh, more confident about what I want to do with my life. And just happy. Yeah, praise God for that. You know why that's possible? You know why people who are experiencing darkness and oppression and fear can just a few weeks later say, I wake up every day happy? I mean, how many of you can say you wake up every day happy? And what, where this guy was, do you know why this is possible? 
the resurrected king. The resurrected king is resurrecting Ian every day, and he, he wants to do the same thing for you. I hope that he is, but, but if you're not experiencing that kind of freedom, then maybe today is the day that you hear the voice of Jesus call your name and then call you out of fear, call you out of shame, call you out of guilt and oppression, and call you into joy and peace. I don't know, I don't know how to explain to you how that actually works, but I know when you give your life to Jesus, when you actually trust him, because he did something you could never do, he died and came back to life, because he did that for you, and you give your trust to him and just say, just take over, just take over, and he gives you new life in a way that you could never experience before. And then, and then, and then, that's not actually all. There's more to the story. After Mary, hears Jesus call her name. Then he sends her out. Because if the resurrected king has resurrected you, then he is also sending you. So he tells her, go and tell the disciples, go and tell the other guys that I'm alive. Go now and tell them. Now, try to, try to picture this for a moment. Mary, 10 seconds ago, found out that Jesus was alive. And already he's sending her away. I feel like I would want to say, just can we hold on to this moment for a minute? Like, I thought you were dead. Now you're alive. You're standing right here in front of me. Can we just, can I just stay with you? Can, can, can we just share this moment for a while longer? And while Jesus is excited for Mary and the change that this is making, he is very clear this is not just about you. There are men right down the road who are feeling the same thing that you just felt, the fear and the despair and the hopelessness, and they need to know that I'm alive. So go and tell them, this is not just about you. It's about everyone who needs to hear this good news. So he sends her away. Again, I would think, if, if I'm married, well, okay then, let's go. I mean, why, let, why don't you go with me? If I'm gonna tell them that you're alive, this is gonna be much more believable if you're standing right there next to me, right? Come on, Jesus. Actually, why don't you just tell them and I'll go with you. I'll stand there. You tell him. It'll be awesome. But he sends her. He doesn't go with her. Why? Why doesn't he go? I think he's establishing the pattern that the church is going to live out for the next thousands of years. We're still doing this today. And that is people who have experienced the resurrected Jesus are sent to share that experience with those who haven't. And he starts on day one. And he sends Mary and he says, I'm not going to go with you, but you've seen me. You know the truth. You've experienced the resurrection of Jesus in your own life. Now go and share that with somebody else. And he does the same for the disciples. These are the marching orders he leaves them with. Go and tell. You are sent. So if you're a faithful follower of Christ and you've experienced the resurrection, you can relate to Ian's story. You know that he has brought dead things back to life in you then you are sent. You've experienced the resurrection of Jesus and you're called to share that experience with people who have not. And maybe you don't feel qualified for that. And I'm sure Mary, Mary didn't have like any professional evangelism training because the good news, the gospel that Jesus had rose from the dead was about two minutes old at that point. <laughs> he says, you know all you need to know. You know that I'm alive and that I changed your life forever. If you know that Jesus is alive and that he has changed your life forever, you know all you need to know Go and tell someone, you are sent. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Do you believe that? Let's, let's say it together. I think when we say things out loud, it kind of drives it a little deeper. Will you say this with me? The resurrected king is resurrecting me. 
It's a process. It's an everyday thing. He is, he is bringing dead things to life in me every day. He's reminding me every day that the world is more than what I can see and taste and touch right in front of me, that there's a spiritual reality. When I give my life to Christ, I have access to peace and joy and purpose that don't make sense to the rest of the world. The resurrected king is resurrecting you, and I hope today you hear him call your name and you get to experience a resurrection of your own. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the resurrection of Jesus. It's the reason that we're, we celebrate this day and we make such a big deal out of it because we know if Jesus is not alive, we have no hope, but we are convinced he is alive and he is our hope. And so thank you so much for that confidence that comes from believing in the truth about Jesus and knowing that that resurrection is for us. So God, my prayer is that if there's people in this room today who are struggling with, with darkness or with loss of faith or loss of hope or shame, God, that you would, you would call their name this morning and they, they would hear your voice and know that you have something to offer them that, that nothing in the world can compare to. And God, for those who are convinced and we're faithful, God, would you send us out in the power of your spirit to share our experience with Jesus with those who need to hear it. In Christ's name we pray, amen.